Welcome to Holistic History, The Fall of Celtic Britain. I am Jim Frost, and this is Episode 7. In the last episode, we examined the reigns of the monarchs Melquin and his son Run. This episode shall examine the reigns of Urien and his son Owen. But before we look at them, we must look at an important battle which took place during Run's time, but which could not be covered last episode due to a lack of time. Most of the surviving information deals with the wars waged by the rulers of the central government, but nobles also waged war against each other. One such conflict led to a terrible battle at Arfdirith, which is modern Artharet in Cumbria. This happened circa 573. Gwenthalau was a noble who governed a territory that covered what is now southwestern Scotland and northwestern England. As with so many conflicts of this period, the origins of the war are not recorded. The facts are that Gwenthalau's father was ruler of York, but was deposed, with York going to another branch of the family. Gwenthalau carved out a province for himself and allied with Aidan MacGabrain, the ruler of Dalriada, the Scottish kingdom. This angered Rytherch of Strathclyde, another British noble. Gwenthalau was a pagan, while his enemies were Christians. This has led some people to speculate that the war may have been religiously motivated. However, there is no evidence to support this. Gwenthalau's court bard was Myrthin, whose sister had married Rytherch. Despite the fact that Myrthin dearly loved his nephew, he still urged Gwenthalau to war, even though Strathclyde would have been allied to York. According to the bards, Arthuret was one of the three futile battles of Britain, having been fought over a lark's nest. It is not known what this referred to, but it probably means that some minor dispute was used as an excuse for the war. According to some sources, the Allied army was commanded by Gwenthalau's cousins, Peridur and Gwurgi of York, but others say it was Reitherch. Whoever commanded, they won after a great slaughter. Gwenthalau was killed, as was Myrthin's nephew. Myrthin himself went mad and fled into the woods. It was believed that he had divine madness and had gained the gift of prophecy. This man, often called Myrthin the Wild, was the origin of Merlin. This identification is definite. King Arthur's wizard first appears in written sources in the History of the Kings of Britain by Geoffrey of Monmouth. Many of the prophecies made by Merlin in that book appear in other sources as originating with Myrthin. In fact, there is a theory that Myrthin was actually a term for prophet, as Myrthin the Wild was also called Lelokin, which seems to have been his real name. To resume our history of the monarchs, Run died sometime in the 580s while fighting against northern nobles, including Reithertz the Generous of Strathclyde, who had been at Arthuret. Run's successor as monarch was Urien. Urien came from the noble family that governed Reget, which included modern Cumbria and at least part of Galloway. Part of Lancashire may also have been included. As was stated last episode, the Angles had started to carve out kingdoms for themselves in what is now northeastern England. Morkant was a British noble who was displaced by this and began to carve out a realm for himself. He would become Urien's main British enemy. But at first, the Angles were the main threat, especially after they took York, having defeated Peridur and Gwurgi. Urien attacked the Angles and recovered some of the lost territory, but not York itself. The Angles of Bernicia were led by a man named Theodric. He rallied from these early defeats and won a significant battle, forcing Urien to retreat. Urien then gained the support of Reitherch of Strathclyde, Gwalag of Elvet, and Morkant. I take this as a sign that the central government was weakening. Urien had tried to defeat Theodric using the resources of his home province of Reged and whatever standing army the Britons still had, but these resources were not enough. He had to gain the cooperation of local nobles. At first it seemed to work. Theodric was defeated and he and his entire army fled to the island of Lindisfarne. The Angles were trapped and hopelessly outnumbered. Their defeat seemed inevitable, 
and would have been if the Britons had not fallen out amongst themselves. Morcant ordered one of his men, a warrior named Lovan, to kill Urien. The usual interpretation is that Morcant was jealous of the monarch, especially since Morcant's family had governed Bernicia. He may have wanted the honor of liberating his ancestral lands himself. Whatever his motives, the result was a disaster for the Britons. The army disintegrated, with the different leaders pulling back to their own power bases. Theodric broke out of the siege and retook the lands he had lost. This happened around the year 590, giving Urien a reign of less than ten years. Urien was succeeded both as ruler of Reged and monarch by his son Owen. Owen was already an accomplished warrior who had made a name for himself during his father's wars. According to one bardic source, he even killed Theodric. At first, he tried to continue his father's strategy of attacking Bernicia, and it would have been in this period that he killed Theodric. The northern nobles underestimated the strength of the Angles and decided to attack Owen instead. An alliance that included not only Morcant but also Urien's former ally of Gwelag and another noble named Danat rebelled. Owen was killed in battle fighting Morcant. The information we have for the Britons in this period is chiefly concerned with the Hen Ogleth, the men of the north. But important events were also unfolding in the south, but most of the information comes from Anglo-Saxon sources. It was argued in episode 5 that Wessex started as a British province that was taken over by the Saxons. Ceolin was the ruler in this period, and his name may be Brythonic. Britain or Saxon, he was certainly an independent ruler who was later viewed as a Saxon. According to Bede, Ceolin was the second Bretwalda, or High King of the Anglo-Saxons. He's also listed as the third king of Wessex, and may have come to the throne around the year 560. As was stated in the last episode, he killed three British nobles at Thirum in 577 and pushed into the Severn Valley, cutting the land connection between Wales and Dumnonia in the southwest. Even before that, he had inflicted a severe defeat on Ethelbert I, ruler of the Anglo-Saxon Kingdom of Kent, in 568, which is probably what made him Bretwalda. Ceolin did not have everything his own way. He suffered a major defeat when he tried to expand into Wales. He lost the Battle of Tintern to a British noble named Morig, sometime around the year 584. Morig was the nephew of Urien. He gained dominion over much of southern Wales through a combination of conquest and dynastic marriage, which will be examined in more detail next episode. Ceolin was deposed as ruler of Wessex in 492 and died the following year. Different sources give him a reign of 7, 17, or 32 years, which just shows the problem with dating in this period. Ethelbert I of the Anglo-Saxon Kingdom of Kent wanted to expand his territory. The problem was that Kent did not have access to British territory and could not capitalize on their deteriorating military situation. His defeat to Ceolin has been mentioned, and this checked his expansion westward. As Kent was in the southeast corner of the island, his only move was north, over the Thames River. His sister, Raikula, married a noble named Sleda. Sleda, probably with Ethelbert's help, deposed the ruler of Essex, a Saxon kingdom that had been founded in the 520s during the period of chaos following Arthur's death. Sleda became the new ruler and was Ethelbert's vassal. After Ceolin was overthrown, his successor, Ceol, was not able to maintain Wessex as the dominant Anglo-Saxon power. Ethelbert became the next Bretwalda, based at least partially on Sleda's support. Ethelbert was the first Anglo-Saxon king to convert to Christianity. The Pope sent St. Augustine to Kent as its first bishop. He established his see at Canterbury, which has been the chief ecclesiastical seat ever since. Now, while all this was going on, in 585, an Angle leader named Crioda pushed into what is now central England and established the Kingdom of Mercia. 
The original realm was quite small, but it would grow into one of the largest and most powerful of the Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. To sum up, the Britons had a real chance to recover a significant amount of their lost territory, but their leaders were too petty to set aside their personal feuds and ambitions. Despite the fact that Urien was one of their greatest heroes, his reign ended in defeat, and the fallout from his assassination and the civil war that killed his successor tilted the balance of power in favor of the Anglo-Saxons. Their ultimate victory was not yet assured, but the chances of a British victory were fading. Please tune in next time when we shall recount the events of the Britain's most famous defeat and their last attempt to turn the tide in their favor. This has been Holistic History, The Fall of Celtic Britain. I am Jim Frost. Until next time, I hope you stay safe.